folks. Welcome to Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn at NBA Blackburn on Twitter. It is Sunday night as I'm recording this following the Denver Nuggets loss to the Boston Celtics final score, 124-104. The score was not as close as it indicates. Uh, This game was over by halftime. I don't need to go over the... uh, very strong details of this one, but just know that this was as painful as a loss as I have ever seen from this Denver Nuggets group. And it wasn't like the largest margin or anything like that, but it was a game where a team came into Denver's building and just stomped all over them and made it as difficult as possible for them to succeed in a number of different categories to the point where Michael Malone benched the Denver Nuggets starters to start the second half. They had given up this massive, I think he said 25-7 to run, 28-7 to run, something like that, to close the half. The Celtics won the second quarter 35-16. to The margin was uh, 25, heading into halftime on Denver's home court. And this was the first time that Michael Malone – it's not the first time he's benched the starters as a, as a unit. They did that against OKC. They've done that against other teams too. But this was the first time that Denver had came out of the, the locker room with the starters on the bench. That was a very, very strong statement made by Michael Malone that this was not acceptable. This is not a – this is not a re- – like a, a – this is not okay is where – really where it stands. And I don't want to go necessarily into all of the details that I normally go to for each player. I'll focus on the starters in the first segments, uh, bench in the second segment, still the same. But we got to talk about Jokic. Uh, We've got to talk about the structure of the starting unit and kind of how things have really fallen apart of late. And where the Nuggets have to go from here if a good defense has a good game plan against them. Because... Uh, this is this is going to be very common for the rest of the season if Denver doesn't get reinforcements. And even then, like honestly, Denver might still have to face that. But Jokic scores 23 points on 8 of 23 from the field. This is an inefficient game, as inefficient as it gets. Uh, shot below 35% from the field, I think. He did shoot 2 of 6 from 3, did shoot 5 of 6 from the line, kind of saved it just a little bit. Eight rebounds, four assists, but he was a team worst minus 21. And he said it best that he lost Denver the game. And I actually do agree with that, that it was his individual play that lost Denver the game today. And you're going to laugh at me and you're going to say things like, Ryan, how can you possibly put that on Jokic when when everybody else sucked too? Well, that's the structure of Denver's team. That's the structure of their starting unit. They have loaded everything onto Nikola Jokic's shoulders, every single thing. And it is a blessing and a curse when he puts up the great numbers, then you get to credit him with things like the MVP. When he puts up bad numbers, it can look really, really ugly for everybody else, especially if there's nobody else that is capable of stepping up and shouldering that burden. And there wasn't anybody. Nobody was even close. And it's too bad because uh, I really do think that Jokic is being put into a really unfair place right now 
because nobody can step up, because nobody is capable of doing that right now. But so is the burden of the sole superstar. He has to figure it out. And if he doesn't figure it out, then the Nuggets get torched like they did tonight. Al Horford was the one defending him when they were out there. Robert Williams was the weak side guy. Grant Williams also did a really good job as the one-on-one defender as well, blocking his shot at one point, forcing a few misses. Jokic just wasn't comfortable, and he was never comfortable in any of the situations. He didn't turn the ball over a ton. Denver kept their turnovers down, but he wanted to take over. He wanted to put the team on his back, and he just wasn't really capable of doing it tonight. But the reason why he had to was because the other four starters There's just not enough going on there. There is not enough to be excited about with that group. Jeff Green, six points, two of four from the field, one rebound, zero assists, zero steals, zero blocks, zero turnovers, zero fouls. Very much a clock into the office kind of game from Jeff Green. And couldn't really do anything against anybody on the Celtics. Aaron Gordon. Actually, no, we'll go to Monte Morris next. Seven points on three of eight from the field for Monte Morris. O of three from three. You forgive him for missing the threes. Like, it is what it is. Uh, Four rebounds, four assists, one steal, minus 11. Zero turnovers for him, but only eight shots. Not a ton of opportunities to really uh, break down the defense and try to get into the teeth of it. That's not great. And now Aaron Gordon who picked up two fouls in the first four minutes of the game, was forced to come out for Davon Reed. Gordon checks back in into the second quarter and proceeds to do next to nothing for the entire second quarter. I couldn't point to you one thing that he did. I'm sitting there. I'm watching the game. I'm, I'm doing my best to try to keep track of this massacre that's going on. And I couldn't tell you anything. That Aaron Gordon did in the in the second quarter. Now in the third quarter, he tried to get a little bit more aggressive when he came back into the game. Fourth quarter, same thing. Uh, he was trying to be a little bit more physical, a little bit more aggressive, got to the free throw line several times. Good on him for being more physical. Where was that in the first half? Where was the aggression? The one time you were aggressive, he charged right into Marcus Smart in the open court when it's pretty clear that Marcus Smart was going to take a charge. Like, that's pretty clear. You have to know your personnel and you have to be smarter. It's just another turnover for Aaron Gordon, who has had some bad decisions over the course of this past few weeks. And it's been bad. It's just been a bad month for him. Now you've got Will Barton, who... It's been tough. It's been a really, really tough stretch for Will. Eight points, three of ten from the field, two of five from three. The shooting is what it is. Two of five from three you take. One of five from two you don't. He was driving aimlessly tonight, not necessarily knowing where he was going to go with it. Got blocked into oblivion by Rob Williams on one of those. And it's just tough because I I don't think anybody trusts him right now to be kind of that secondary creator that the Nuggets need. Jokic needs somebody else who can take the, the brunt of the burden off of his shoulders. And Barton has not stepped up in the way that he has to. There is nobody else. 
Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. have not walked through that door yet. He needs he needs to be the guy who has the ball in his hands. Monte Morris gave them some great minutes and got them through like from January to March when Will was also struggling. But now it's March 20th and Will has been a just complete mess over the course of these past few games. And the defense has never recovered, ever. Jason Tatum made mincemeat of him. Jalen Brown made mincemeat of him. Anytime he got switched on to somebody else, it was a bucket. There's just a lot of pointing, a lot of raising your hands and asking, why did you have why did you not have that guy? Will has not stepped up to the plate ever since about game 20 of the season. And there have been some good performances every now and then. And I want to keep giving him that credit and I want to keep like trying to contextualize some of this. He was very good early in the season, but it is now late in the season. And the Nuggets needed him then. And then they had Monte Morris and Aaron Gordon step up in the middle. And now they need Will Barton again as defenses try to really combat what Jokic has done all year. Boston's one of the unique teams, kind of like Cleveland, that has two bigs that and, and just a very smart defensive cast that can really rotate and just do everything they can to make his life hell. Somebody else had to step up. And it's pretty easily Will Barton that had to step up. And he just kind of shied away. It's too bad. I I want to see him succeed. I want to see him play well. But these are the opportunities that you point to and say, the reason why the Nuggets are not good enough is because their two best players, or not their two best, their second and third best player are out. And their fourth and fifth best guys, Gordon and Barton, have not brought it. They haven't. They just haven't for the last month plus. And it's been on offense. It's been on defense. And Michael Malone is rightly lighting into them. And it's got to come from somewhere. I'm not sure where it's going to come from. I'm not sure where the, the change is going to take place. Whether the starting lineup will be changed. I doubt it. But could anybody say that Will Barton deserves to be the starting shooting guard right now? I don't think so. I don't think there's deserving in there. I think they want to see him with the starting group. They want to see him and they don't want to penalize him for having to carry things and then not stepping up to the plate now. But the fact is, is they need somebody right now. This team is in the play-in. They need somebody right now. And if he's not going to give it to them, and if Jeff Green's going to grab one rebound a game, and if Aaron Gordon's going to take five shots, then I just don't know where the help is going to come from. I don't know. I don't know. It was embarrassing. It was just an embarrassing performance by the Nuggets. And I very much worry about the trajectory of this team if they can't get it back under control. We'll see if they can. Let's take a break. When we come back, we'll talk about the bench unit. But first, 
This podcast, as you know, is brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the NBA. As everybody knows, the Hoops Tournament is going on right now in college basketball. The Sweet 16 has been announced, and my bracket has just been atrocious. But yours might not be. And even if you're not playing in the the college basketball tournament this year, then you could still get in on the action on a game-to-game basis where you bet $5 on any team to win and get just $200 in free bets if they do. It's that simple. If they win, you win. This is a great idea. This is a great opportunity for new customers to get in on the action. And you can also do it with new same-game parlays where you combine multiple bets from the same game for a bigger payout. The more legs you add, the more money you can win. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. You can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. So make sure to download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code MHS. Bet just $5 on any college hoops team and get $200 in free bets if they do. If they win, you win with promo code MHS this week at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only, new customers only, minimum $5 deposit. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem call 1-800-522-4700. All right, we're back. Pickaxe and Roll Ryan Blackburn here. Thank you so much for tuning in. Appreciate all the love and support. I know that probably not a lot of people are tuning into this episode because this one was a toughie. But if you are, thank you so much. If you do, if you like the show, make sure to go rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, wherever you get your podcasts. That would be fantastic. All right, let's talk about the bench unit. And I think we have to start once again with Bones Highland, who really struggled in the first half and then turned it around in the second half. He was one of those guys that, okay, he went 0 of 3, or he went 0 of 4 from the the field and 0 of 3 from 3, finishes 3 of 8 and 2 of 5 from 3, also got to the free throw line three times, made all three, four assists, three turnovers. This is one of those games where it's very rare to see Bones turn the ball over more than about twice. Actually, of late, he's only been turning it over zero or one dime. So this was one of those games where you, you play a in just an increased level of competition, and you see how Bones handles that. I thought of everybody, he was reasonable. He was definitely fine. There was nothing that I would be super concerned about with him. In addition, I thought that Austin Rivers, eight points, four assists, three of seven from the field, two of four from three better defense overall against a guy like Jason Tatum or a guy like Jalen Brown uh, than the starting unit had. I would definitely say that the, the, the bench guys were better defensively other than DeMarcus Cousins, who once again, I, I just get worried about when he's playing in space. 12 points for him, a four of 11 from the field, one of six from three, three of four from the line, four rebounds tonight, played Four minutes or so with Nikola Jokic in the second half, because when the bench guys started the game, uh, Jamichael Green got hurt and 
sort of landed funny, never came back into the game. Jokic replaced Jamichael Green. So Denver actually played a Twin Towers kind of lineup with Jokic at the four, I guess, and Cousins at the five. And it was very interesting to see where those guys kind of played high-low with each other. They didn't really know how to operate next to each other. Like Cousins is always going to want to be the focal point, but then Jokic was the focal point, so Cousins was spacing the floor. Cousins shot one of six from three. If he shoots a little bit better, maybe this looks a little bit better, but I do think that he and Jokic definitely can't play together because one of those guys is going to be in the pick and roll. And the other guy, especially if that if they have to play up at the level, then the other one of those guys between Jokic and Cousins has to be playing as the low man, somebody who rotates over, somebody who protects the rim. Jokic isn't great in that situation. He's actually terrible in that situation. That's one of his biggest weaknesses. Uh, Cousins is not necessarily bad, but he's also not great either because he fouls pretty consistently. Uh, I would not be wanting to play Jokic and Boogie together. That's just just seems like a very rare occasion that I don't think is going to come to pass again. Uh, I would not be doing that if I were Denver. It's just just seems like a bad idea. Uh, but before he went out, Jamichael Green, I thought he was pretty good too. Six points, two of three from the field, one of two from three. Did make a three in the corner where probably should have dumped it into Jokic, who had a mismatch, but. The fact that Jamichael Green took it and made it with confidence, that's a good sign. Uh, Six points, five rebounds, two assists, one steal, one block. Again, he's got that defensive uh, production and the willingness to make the extra pass. He's somebody who I I just have more confidence in going forward than I thought I would at this stage of the season. He's somebody that I would want Denver to be playing, perhaps even more than a Jeff Green, who... Like, I I worry about Jeff because I know I'm never going to get any rebounding from him. At least with Jamichael, I'm going to get some production. I'm going to get some help there. And I'm also just going to get some production in other categories too, where Jamichael's willing to throw himself around a little bit. Is Jeff a better offensive fit? Yes. Is Jamichael the better player right now? Probably so. Again, circling back to Bones, it's just nice to have a guy like him, who I think doesn't fear these moments is definitely so young in the league that he didn't kind of take, he didn't really take the beat down the way that some of the other guys did. He was still uh, playing his same game there, trying to get the crowd back into it, uh, doing his best to push the pace, make sure to play the right way, things like that. Uh, He's somebody that I'm continuously impressed with and would like to see more playing time. And I'm not surprised that of the other guys, Bryn Forbes only played seven minutes tonight. I I know that's probably, or at least some of it is probably the fact that Boston has Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum. They've got some big wings that Denver needs to match up with. But Bryn Forbes not being out there, I think, is notable. It's notable that they went to Davon Reed instead. And Davon Reed looked fine, like off the dribble. He was taking and making a couple nice shots. Uh, had a couple rebounds, had a couple assists. I wasn't impressed with his defense on Brown and Tatum, but I do think it was better than Will. I do think it was better than Aaron Gordon. And if you're reaching that stage, then it's possible that Denver may want to be exploring at least different looks. 
uh, with their starting unit because if they're not getting the offense from their starting unit, then at least they'll get defense from some of the guys on their bench. So it's tough. Like it's this is a really tough place for Denver to be where you've got some massive weaknesses up and down your roster, particularly because everybody's playing up a rung, but also because you just don't have the, I guess, perimeter slash wing defense that you probably need in order to match up with some of the best players in the NBA and make their life difficult. So I was hoping that Gordon would be that guy. It's clear that he hasn't been. It's pretty clear in my eyes that the vast majority of Denver's defensive success with their starting unit is because of Jokic. And that's pretty crazy to think about because all of the other guys, Morris, Gordon, Barton, Jeff Green, like they play a fundamentally sound, and not Barton actually, but everybody else plays a fundamentally sound defensive game where they try to stay in front of their man, don't get back cut, don't be put into a situation where you're fouling a whole heck of a lot, just make sure that they make shots over you and contest as many as you can, and that's great. But Jokic grabbing all the rebounds, Jokic getting his hands into passing lanes, making things difficult for people, getting the occasional block. He is the guy that has really stepped up and been the best defensive guy of the bunch. And it's pretty clear that Gordon hasn't been that guy. He hasn't been a defensive impactor. Jeff Green hasn't been a defensive impactor. Monte Morris, Will Barton, certainly not. So I think of on the bench, who's impacting things defensively. I think Jeff or Jamichael Green's really impacting things. I think Austin Rivers is really impacting things. And I think Davon Reed, to a degree, is helping out. Boogie Cousins, when his role is pretty narrow, is helping out. But I think of Austin Rivers and I think of Jamichael Green. And both of those guys have really made positive impacts, both in the stats, but also really in uh, just when they're on the court, things are pretty sound. You know what you're going to get, especially if there's a rim protector behind. So I wonder if the bench lineup is going to get a shuffle. I wonder if the starting lineup is going to get a shuffle. And it wouldn't surprise me if we went some different ways. So when we come back, this is a shorter podcast, by the way. I didn't say that initially, but I can't bring myself to podcast on this team for more than 45 minutes. Uh, And really, it's going to be 35 When we come back, we are going to talk about uh, Jokic and having to carry anything, everything on his shoulders. We'll be right back. All right, back here, Pickaxe and Roll. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Uh, Really quickly, before we get into some of the other details, the magic number remains at 11. It hasn't moved for a few days now, which is absolutely cause for concern. Denver is officially in the play-in. Not not official, I mean, not locked in, but they are currently positioned to play the play-in. Minnesota's record is 42-30. and Denver's record is 42 and 30. Minnesota has the tiebreaker and they will almost certainly have the tiebreaker heading into the playoffs. Denver's going to need to outpace them from what I understand. I don't think there's any way that they catch Minnesota in the tiebreaker thing. So 
the magic number is 11, which you have 10 games left to go, that means that you need help. Denver is an officially, they are officially out of control of their own destiny, and they need help in order to get to the top six. Now, I think that they can still get help, and we'll talk about that later. But for now, let's talk about Jokic. Let's talk about uh, Will Barton. Let's talk about Aaron Gordon. When Jokic is great, and that is very frequent, very, very frequent, the Nuggets have a chance. They almost always have a chance because Jokic is just on the floor. But even when he's like when he's great, they have a legitimate chance and more often than not win their games. It is very rare for the Nuggets to falter when Jokic has a good game. Or well, sometimes they'll falter when Jokic has a good game. That's that's poor. But it's very rare the other direction that when Jokic has a bad game or the team is bad when he's on the floor, that the Nuggets are actually still winning. Here is uh, the, the data for when he is a minus. Currently, there are 19 games in his game log where he is a minus on the court. They've actually been piling up reasonably of late. Uh, you've got one, two, three, four, five, now six games in the month of March where he's been a minus, and that's that's not good. That says a lot, not necessarily about his games, but just about how the Nuggets are playing right now. And when of the 19 games, when he is a minus, the Nuggets are 3-16. and 3-16. and 16. So, flip it the other way. When Jokic is a plus, the Nuggets are 39-14. and 14. It is that important for him to be a plus. Because if he's not, then they have zero hope. The only games that they've won where he's been a minus are the Philly game, where he put up uh, 22, 13, and 8. was very good. Uh, not necessarily great, but he was very good. A Clippers game uh, post-Christmas where he had 26 points on 24 shots, but also was 22 rebounds, 8 assists, 2 steals, 2 blocks. And where's the other one? Oh, it was a, the Sacramento Kings game post-All-Star break, or one of them, pretty sure, where he had 18, 10, and 11. So usually, even when he's a minus at these times, he's very good in a lot of these games. But you start to get into, man, does he have to be a plus every single time? Well, that's kind of been what it's been. When he's a minus, there is no chance. There is just no prayer of a chance for this Nuggets team. It's unfair. It is an unfair burden to bear. No other player in the NBA has had to deal with that. Let's pull up Joel Embiid's game blog, just so that we can kind of compare this little, uh, these, these same things here. I haven't checked uh, Joel Embiid's game. I know he lost, and I know he wasn't great against uh, whoever. But okay, so Embiid has been a minus in 20, I, I think 21 games now. Let's go 20. Let's just call it a round number at 20. 
One, two, three, four, five, six. Philly is six and 14 when he's a minus. So they've been able to make up some of these extra games despite the fact that their MVP candidate has been a minus in them. They've had reasonable amounts of bench time. And more than anything, a lot of these games are where it comes down to, and especially for Embiid now, is that he's had Tobias Harris and Tyrese Maxey and uh, James Harden now. He's had those guys all season. Those guys have been very, very good. Tyrese Maxey in particular is just somebody who has stepped up to the plate where there's been an opportunity. The Nuggets haven't had that guy. Monte Morris has not stepped up to the degree that Tyrese Maxey has, who is averaging 17.2 points, 4.3 assists, and 3.4 rebounds per game while shooting 41% from three. Tobias Harris, in a down year, is shooting 48% from the field, 36% from three, and has 17-7-3 as his primary numbers. And we don't need to go into the James Harden thing. Everybody knows that James Harden, having a guy like that in the minutes that you don't play, is also a big deal. The Nuggets at this stage haven't had guys step up. Will Barton, Aaron Gordon, Monte Morris, at various points throughout the year, they've been good. Will Barton was very good early. Aaron Gordon, very good from about mid-December to the All-Star break. Like That's a, that's a significant stretch. That's about a two-month stretch right there. Monte Morris has been pretty good from about I don't know, December 1st to March 1st. It's kind of how I'd handicap it. It's a really solid three-month stretch right there. Right now, nobody else is playing well consistently. Monte's been pretty down over the course of these past few. Will Barton, ever since the Philly game, has been very down. Aaron Gordon has not stepped up to the degree that he needs to because sometimes when he's aggressive... He's very good and very helpful. And then there are other times where against Cleveland, he was aggressive and just kept making mistakes, taking Denver out of their offense at times and not being the guy that kind of counteracted the doubles and triple teams that Jokic was seeing. We saw that again tonight, where the ball found its way to Jokic on several occasions. But who's he going to pass to in those cases? Zamonte Mars? Is it Will Barton? Is it Jeff Green? Is it Aaron Gordon? I'm not sure he felt comfortable with that tonight. I thought he, I think he wanted to try to make something happen on his own. And it, it got burned. And it just wasn't the right call. And had the distribution been a little bit different, like he takes 15 shots instead of 23, and then Barton takes a couple more, Jeff Green takes a couple more, etc., Maybe Denver's a bet. Maybe they're better. Maybe it's in a better spot. But I kind of doubt it. I think it would have been about the same. Will and Aaron Gordon have just got to be better. They've got to. If they're not, Denver's dead. There is zero way that this team can win a first round series, let alone a second round series or a third round series if they don't have somebody else step up. I don't know what the, uh, there was a stat that was going around on Twitter over these course of these past couple 
But the difference between Jokic's points per game and the second leading scorer in points per game, I'm pretty sure it was Will, pretty sure it was around 14.8, something around there. That would be the largest difference among MVP candidates or among an MVP winner. Either ever or it was like two LeBron's 09 season or something like that. Either way, it's a large difference. There's just a massive gap right now between what Jokic is having to do as the point guard, as the lead scorer, and as the leading rebounder and defender versus what everybody else has had to do. And nobody's stepping up. Nobody's there. It's just like, what else? What other analysis am I going to provide in this case? I've, want, I've come to the defense of Will Barton. I've come to the defense of Aaron Gordon, of Monte Morris in a lot of cases. I think Monte's had a great year. He hasn't played well over these last couple. That's for sure. Everybody's going through a bad couple weeks. And that probably shouldn't be a reflection of their entire season. I don't think that that's fair. Denver's had guys that have stepped up at various points, and that's why they have the record that they do. It's not just because of Jokic. Because he doesn't, he doesn't score 105 points per game or however many Denver scores. He contributes what he contributes, and then everybody else has to fill in the gaps around him. If they don't, then Denver loses. So there has been some good play, but it hasn't been good lately. And the way the defenses are defending Nicola right now, there has to be somebody else who steps up to the table. If there's not, then they're dead. Is there anyone else capable of stepping up? Because I'm not sure that Will Barton's physically able. I'm not sure that Aaron Gordon's physically able. It's just possible that those guys aren't capable of it right now. That's a tough place to be. Could you go to more Monte Morris and Bones Highland lineups? I think we've seen those more frequently lately. It wouldn't surprise me if that was more of a staple. As we go down the stretch here, could Austin Rivers fill in as a starter in for Will Barton or maybe for Jeff Green and you move Barton to the three and Aaron Gordon to the four? I think that both prospects are fair. I think Denver might benefit from a starting lineup change. I'm not quite sure I'm there yet, but these are now on the table. They should be on the table. Like, I think when you go through some of this, and you prepare for a playoff series, Denver's going to have to be flexible. They're going to have to figure it out. Maybe it's Jamichael Green getting more minutes. Maybe it's Davon Reed being more permanent part of the rotation. Although I'm not sure that's the answer after having watched him over the course of these past few weeks. Either way, Denver's now, they have their, they have their feet to the fire, is what I'd say. They are officially tied with the Minnesota Timberwolves at 42 and 30. T-Wolves, as I said, they've got the tiebreaker. Denver has to finish ahead of the T-Wolves. Looking at the schedule, I still think that Denver's more capable of outpacing Minnesota than a lot of people seem to think. I do think that they are capable of that. Here are Denver's next 10 games, their final 10 games of the year. They are home against the Clippers, home against the Suns, home against the Thunder, at the Charlotte Hornets, 
at the Indiana Pacers, home against the Minnesota Timberwolves, at the Los Angeles Lakers, home against the Spurs, home against the Grizzlies, home against the Lakers. On my initial run-through of that, I still think that 7-3 or 8-2 are both on the table. You're probably losing the Suns game. You're probably losing the T-Wolves game. Or you might not. You might flip that. You might lose one of the Lakers games. You might mess around and lose this next LA Clippers game. But if you take who should be favored in each of those games, I think that Denver should be favored in at least eight of them. At least seven. I'll say seven. I counted that the Grizzlies game would be a win because I think the Grizzlies are going to have their seeding decided by their second to last game of the year. So we'll see if that's true. But either way, seven and three or eight and two. Moving over to the Minnesota Timberwolves at the Mavericks, home against the Suns, home against the Mavericks, at the Celtics, at the Raptors, at Denver, at Houston, home against Washington, home against San Antonio, home against Chicago. Now, that ending stretch is really easy for them, except for possibly the Chicago game, because I don't know if Chicago is going to be locked into a seat or not. They may decide that they want to win that one. But Dallas, they'll probably split with Dallas. That's the most likely outcome because Dallas is playing great basketball. And you've got a home and then you've got an away game for them. So they'll probably split. I counted the Phoenix Suns as a loss for both Denver and Minnesota. I think that's fair. I counted Boston as a loss for Minnesota. And frankly, I counted Toronto as a loss for Minnesota. I have them winning all other games, including the game against Denver. So, hypothetically here, Denver goes 7-3, and three, Minnesota goes 6-4. and four. Denver's in the playoffs. They have a 48-34 and 34 record. They're in the playoffs at that point. Six seed, Minnesota goes down to the play-in, despite the fact that that Minnesota still won that head-to-head game on April 1st. If Denver wins that game, then maybe you've got a little bit more flexibility because you're handing them another L. If Minnesota wins their games against Dallas, Phoenix, and Dallas, then good God, you might be in a really tough situation. I have them going 1-2 and two through that. If they go 3-0, and oh, Denver might be screwed. That could be really, really tough. Either way, this is probably going to go down to the wire. It's probably going to go till the last day of the year. I'd be shocked, honestly, if it if it was wrapped up. If it was wrapped up before game 80, I would be shocked. That means going into the last week. It could go either way. I think I would give Denver probably a 60-40 chance of staying in the playoff seeds as opposed to the play-in. But I could be wrong. I've been wrong about a lot of shit. Now, last thing. Will Jamal Murray and Michael Porter come back? Because I had a couple people uh, message me, both asking about it, but also like hating that I've been stringing people along. I don't know what to tell you guys. Denver has been stringing along the media in this. They've always said everything, be patient, be patient, be patient. Don't expect anything back. Don't expect anything back. 
And yet what you hear, what you hear independent of what they're saying publicly is that these guys are looking great, is that they're playing well, is that they're looking physically great and in some cases ready to go. I think that this week we are getting a significant Michael Porter update, and it wouldn't surprise me if a significant Jamal Murray update followed. Michael Malone said that it wasn't off the table that Jamal Murray could go back down to the G League, get a little bit of more extra reps in. Keep that in mind for next week when Denver goes on the road and plays Charlotte and Indiana. That would be the kind of the time frame that I would expect for a decision like that. But I do think that over the course of these next three games, the Clippers, the Suns, the Thunder at home, I still think you might see Michael Porter in one of those. I'm going to hold myself to that based off of what we've been hearing. That I would honestly be surprised if we didn't. And who knows? Maybe his return kind of changes things for the better. Maybe Michael Malone has been telling the truth and his return isn't immediate. And maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't think I am. I really don't. I do think that we're going to see those guys again. I do think that we're going to see them in the regular season. And if you don't, then come at me and then just be angry with me. I don't, I don't care. I don't, I don't care. I just want to see this team do well. I want to see them succeed. I want to cover the team in the right, proper way. And I think that this is the proper way to cover it. I do not think that I'm stringing things out. I do not think that Murray and Porter decisions are absolute, like it's not absolute that they are going to come back. But if I had a handicap, I'd say 95%. That's what I think. That is going to do for this episode of Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. Still happened to go over 40 minutes. Of course I did. That's just what I do. Even though I'm talking to myself, I talked to myself for a long freaking time. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. If you're still listening now, uh, you're a real one. Really appreciate all the love, all the support. It has been fantastic. Haven't decided the upcoming uh, schedule for these podcasts yet, but I do think that given that we've got a whole bunch of games, there will be enough time to cover everything. I definitely don't think I'm, I'm, I'm not worried about getting the five podcasts this week. That is going to happen. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Talk to you guys very soon.